So welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy. Let's get rolling. Honesty hour. I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in today. It's your host, Izzy, and I am super excited uh, for today's guest. Um, he's risen through the ranks from uh, being an intern to uh, now, I mean, getting into an executive role and is here to talk about the journey on how he made that happen and everything he had to battle through and everything like that. So today I'm honored to welcome Craig to the show today, to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Craig, thanks for jumping on. Thanks, Izzy. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. I'm excited for everyone to, li anybody that's listening, to listen to your journey because you, from even at a young age, you've been impacted in ways that uh, some people dream of. Um, and it's something that I, I really want to hit on today. Uh, but for those who are listening that don't know your name or don't know your journey or don't know your story, do you want to give a brief intro as to who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so my name is Craig Lyon, and uh, I spent uh, the last 10 years uh, making my way from being a Nike intern um, to being a member of the uh, Nike marketing machine and, and executive team in North America brand um, and spent a huge portion of my time at Nike in Nike basketball um, and had a pretty incredible opportunity to be a part of the uh, the introduction and and bringing a number of our signature basketball franchises to life, kind of starting with Kyrie Irving and Paul George, and then working with an incredibly talented group of individuals that were the the Nike basketball team for the last uh, you know three four years in bringing the likes of Giannis onto the roster and and working with you know some incredible talent of you know the, the generations before and Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant. Um, and, and obviously with LeBron James and, and his team at Nike. Um, so had a, a very uh, dreamlike journey getting into a brand that I had wanted to work for my entire childhood and then being put into an opportunity to work with some of the most charismatic and talented individuals in the world as they were trying to build you know, a, a name brand for themselves, which um, was such an amazing challenge and something so different as we talked about, uh, you know, that in comparison to what you do in any other franchise at a major brand. There's just something uh, something special about working with somebody um, to build a brand that truly has their name on it. Okay, so you just mentioned some massive names, some names that obviously anybody that's listening, um, you've been li living under a rock if you don't know some of those, most of those names. So how did you get started? Like, let's Take me before, take me before Nike. Where did this passion of, of sports yeah, I mean, and everything like that come from? 
I mean, for me, everything really started in high school, which which is crazy now that I think back about it, because I was uh, I grew up in central Indiana. My, my family was originally from from Brooklyn and uh, we came to Indiana uh, for my dad's work. And uh, I went to a large high school, all really centered around athletics. And I, I was a golfer and you know we had our own season and, and probably less cameras and attention on us than, than the than the, the core four sports. But um, I actually got heavily into television production and broadcast, and we were lucky that we had a, a local uh, broadcast television station that was uh, run and operated by students. And a friend of mine and I were fortunate enough to become the, the two-man broadcast team um, that did play-by-play for the men's basketball team, the men's football team. We also covered a lot of women's basketball at that time. Um, and it was this like kind of surreal you know, high school experience that we were, you know, a part of kind of the, the media junket. And at the time, high school basketball in Indiana, um, you know, was the likes of Josh McRoberts and Greg Oden and Mike Conley, um, the Teague brothers, uh, Eric, uh, uh, Eric Gordon at North Central. Like, it was an amazing collection of some of the best high school talent that now you're still seeing, you know, some of these guys on, on the NBA stage and in major deals. And I don't think we ever recognized it. We knew we were watching something special, especially on the basketball courts, but we were able to broadcast games, you know, courtside at Hinkle Fieldhouse during state regionals and, and get into the depths of finding stories. And I think that for me is where my love of, of mining for and telling stories um, that people would enjoy hearing, that people should hear to, to validate the work and uh, the energy that was spent by these athletes, um, these student athletes, really at the time, um, was something that I, I just really gravitated towards. And that experience um, kind of gave me some really solid early direction of what I wanted to study and that I wanted to go into media and that I wanted to learn more about what you do both in front of the camera and as became more important to me behind the camera um, and what it took to, to build that. So um, that, that experience in high school and the opportunity uh, excuse me, the opportunity I had to be a part of that program um, pushed me right into going to Indiana University and, and entering the media school there and getting into some some serious production and music video and concerts and, and things of that nature that helped me you know, develop not just a, a passion for it, but the ability to, to drive production, the ability to speak the language of you know, the, the talent that you're capturing, the camera operators you're working with, and everyone in and around and behind the scenes that make any of those productions possible. Um, and I think that that process was something that there was endless runway for curiosity. Uh, I worked for Fox News in high school and I was running the teleprompter for the evening news, really just so that I could see all of the things that were happening behind the camera of a fully fledged uh, broadcast network. Um, and I think those things are what, what kind of piped me through to just knowing I wanted to be a part of telling stories and capturing um, things that whether they teased your imagination or uh, told you a story you didn't know, um, that was really an amazing place to start uh, my journey. And, and I think that direction helped me a lot in terms of coming into a brand like Nike uh, or anyone for that matter, and at least having a feel of who I wanted to be more so than what I wanted to do. You had most people's dream jobs in high school. And like you mentioned that you were 
you had the opportunity to be in front of these these big names and interview them on stories related or unrelated to basketball um, on a TV setting, and it, it it almost opened the doors to you being more comfortable with uh, pitching yourself and just in being more comfortable with who you are. So when I say that you had most people's dream jobs in high school, how like did you did you recognize that at such a young age? <laughs> I think uh, I think I recognized that what we were doing was not the normal path that most people would have. You wouldn't get to test yourself in this way. Um, I found myself looking back on it a lot more as we started to work with, you know, doing player interviews uh, in my early days at Nike and having a level of comfort. And I think part of, you know, anybody who spends time in front of the camera, there is, you know, there's a level of comfortability that you have to get to, to be able to, you know, look into the eye of the camera, like you're talking to someone else. And I think those are the things that I, I, I knew at the time that it was important to learn the skill. I didn't realize how much it would apply to just real world conversations. You know, you meet the CEO of a large company or a big agent or an athlete that you followed since you were a kid. And the ability to just kind of start the conversation as yourself is something that I think uh, came along with the territory of having to stare down a camera and speak to an audience that you didn't really know who they were, or where they were um, at such a young age. And I think in retrospect, absolutely, you see that in the moment. I think we were just having too much fun <laughs> to think about the lessons, you know, like it was, it, it was our dream job. I think most people's dream job involves getting paid, which I think we were, <laughs> we were just thrilled to be, be getting, getting good grades and, and moving along. And, um, the, the freedom and the creativity that we were able to bring, I give my, my teachers at that time, a lot of credit because we were kind of given the freedom to come up with the things that we wanted to see or build or capture. And then we were graded on our ability to bring that to life with the tools that we had. And that was such a different way of learning that it, it, in many ways now, it even impacts the way that I try to teach members of my team um, and try to help you know grow a skill set out of passion and not out of necessity to do this task. When we when we talk about an internship at Nike, that's like the pipe dream for so many in college wanting to get an land an internship. Um, and a lot of people at small schools or at, at big schools don't really recognize how hard it is to do that. So can you talk about how you ended up landing your internship and what that process looked like? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the important thing to, to, to shout first is that, you know, the internship programs in general and even the Nike internship program has evolved tremendously over the years, right? We, you know, that program last year was entirely um, you know, virtual. That was a, a, a wild shift. And when I was coming into the internship program, it was, uh, you know, heavily built around the uh, Nike college partnerships, right? So most of the students were coming from those schools and it was a, it was a, it was a interview grind. It was, a, it was exactly what, you know, what you almost describe it as. And you kind of had to try to make an impression on a couple of the people that you, you met with. Um, and for me, it was, you know, it's funny because I, I spent a summer prior to working at Nike, working as an intern at Capitol Records in New York, which I loved. And it was at a time where the music industry was kind of trying to figure out 
survival and how are we going to you know work with with this new age of digital media and uh and coming out of that i came into the nike internship kind of in a space where like i knew it was where i wanted to be i knew it was what i wanted to do and i entered those conversations with no you know i don't want to call it reckless abandon but like i i knew that that was where i wanted to be and that's what i conveyed you know i i shared that i felt like i had the background i felt like i knew the things that I needed to know to walk in the door and start learning immediately, not walk in the door and know what to do mm -hmm. immediately. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with when they're trying to get an internship or a job at that matter is how far, you know, do I want my experience and the way I convey my experience to convey my, you know, my confidence in that space. And it's a, it's a delicate line in those, in those conversations between, confidence and arrogance right and 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 coming in as you know an intern saying well i know exactly how to do this job you probably don't but coming in and conveying hey i know exactly the energy that i need to bring to to learn everything that i need to learn and i feel like that was a big differentiator for me that having that other internship and understanding my job is to learn and learn those things once and then be able to replicate them and make the process for the team that I'm working for simpler so that they can in turn teach me more because I'm covering things that they don't now need to cover. And that was an understanding that I think was a big difference maker for me coming into the Nike internship and in that, you know, it's a, a, there's a lot of confidence, right? There are hundreds, you know, there's thousands of applicants uh, and, and that in that kind of competitive process, you can play yourself out of contention far more quickly than you necessarily can separate yourself. Um, and I think that that desire to learn was something I now look back and I have, you know, I, I look for that in, in new talent in people who are yes, confident, but yes, understand that I'm, I'm confident in my ability to learn and the ability to make an impact. And I think that's um, a huge differentiator, especially at the internship level. When we talk about internships, and I don't want to talk about this too much, but the the realization of so many when they intern somewhere and they realize a month before the internship is supposed to be done that maybe there isn't a position for them or maybe there isn't something um, for them immediately right after the internship. What did you do during your internship to make sure that there was something at the end of it for you? Yeah. Uh, you know what, it's a, it's interesting because I have found that a lot of people approach internships kind of as your job in the internship is to develop a network, right? To develop people that are going to be in your corner that have, might have a job that might have whatever, um, you know, that spot that you're looking for. And I always more so approach it as like your internship is a job. Mm -hmm. You're, you're being asked to be there to make an impact. And I always looked at ways and tried to find ways to develop my network as a complement to me getting the work done that I was being asked to get done. So an example for me would be one of the best pieces of advice that my intern manager gave me uh, back in the day was, hey, like, don't send emails like, you know, Nike is built on this incredible campus and and, you know, go walk around and find people and introduce yourself and then ask them the question that you were going to ask them in an email and come on back with the answer. Mm -hmm. And those were things that became my job as an intern was not about developing a network so that somebody would know me and give me a job. It was about doing the job at a level that the people who I interacted with had a tangible example of my skill or what I could bring to the table. 
And that went far beyond whatever, whatever network I could have developed to say, well, these 30 people know my name. Well, that's great, but they don't know anything about what you've done. What if these 12 people have seen and, and had tangible effects to their day-to-day -day in what you brought? That's something that they can translate to value, that they can go to somebody else and say more than, hey, I met this guy. He was a nice guy. He, he could be an interesting fit versus, hey, this guy really helped us in these couple pieces of the work. And sometimes that to me is a, a big distinction of, you know, you see, as you said, like you see interns in the process trying to figure out, hey, like, you know, where can I find that that spot or who else should I meet or what should I do? And those last three weeks of most internships, you end up actually losing the workforce, mm -hmm. right? Because all the interns go into, well, I have like nine one-on-ones today because I'm just trying to meet somebody that's going to hook it up. You're in a much better position in my, in, in my experience, even now on the other side of this, of going in and doing the work and making tangible changes and an impact on those people. Another thing for interns and you've hit on it a little bit and it's it's just going into a position or going into an internship or going into that interview and being comfortable with who you are as an individual and that's something that you've told me that nike helped you kind of realize uh, not just through your internship but throughout your entire journey and i want to cover that a little bit so what what was your next move what what was that next job uh, when you ended up when you were done with the internship, what did you work on and how did that kind of progress your, your, obviously your movement throughout the company? Yeah. I mean, I think my, the opportunity to, so I, I moved into emerging mm -hmm. markets. Um, I was, uh, I was placed onto a team that, and, and at Nike emerging markets at the time effectively covered all the geographical space you can think of that doesn't fit neatly into North America, Europe, or uh, greater China. And that meant that I got to this, this incredible opportunity to not only work kind of in this, this smaller, um, more tangible uh, team, but also to explore a brand that I had known my whole life, but through entirely foreign terms. And the challenges out of the gate became, you know, understanding how to bring the essence of this brand that, you know, I had grown up with, that I had known at every stage of my life, that I had drawn swooshes on the hats of the characters that I was trying as a kid. And now extrapolate that to, you know, how are we bringing product to market in Korea where I've never been, where I don't speak the language and the words just do it, do not translate effectively. Those challenges were an amazing reset for me uh, in emerging markets. Really, I believe was maybe the greatest gift that, that Nike gave me in terms of opening my eyes. I would say maybe the second greatest gift to me meeting my wife while I was at <laughs> Nike, but uh, that's, for, that's for another day. Um, I, I think the, that time really transformed my ability to pull back and to not include my point of view and perspective in decision-making, to really rely on data, to really rely on the local teams and understanding. And in many ways, it took, you know, me as somebody who came up comfortable with being around cameras and, and doing interviews and things like that, but it, it made the quality of the questions I had to ask uh, go through the roof. Um, and, and in many ways, it, it made the the source of those questions, genuine curiosity, things I didn't know and didn't understand. 
that in turn were actually what we as a group didn't understand. And I think that freedom, I don't know if I would have found it had my first job been in Nike basketball, mm -hmm. because there would have been things that I would have thought walking in the door, well, I understand this and I think about this and I play the game. And, I, and, and those things all were cast out the window immediately um, by that being, uh, you know, my first role. And I think the, the question thing is, is perfect. Uh, for anybody jumping into a role, um, whether it's a new role or whether it's something that you've been working with for a long time, um, but on the flip turn, it's it's listening and listening to the the core consumer or listening to anybody on the other side that is is trying to give you feedback. So the listening part, as you started to progress through your journey, how like how did that impact you? from just like being able to sit down and say, not that you were one-on-one -on -one with the core consumer, but you were just listening to all these different demographics and these different people from around the world that, like you said, didn't have that I, that uh, emotional attachment to just do it. How, how, how did Nike really get to listen to that consumer? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it came down to, it was about listening to understand. Mm -hmm and not listening to then mm -hmm. move on to the next question yeah. or to then move on to um you know my next uh, assumption right and validating or unvalidating it and and that to me you know you said it, it was you know at times it was about the consumer or it was about you know uh, retail associates um and at other times it was about our teammates right our, our team in singapore our team uh in india i mean when we first were working on uh, you know, a lot of the India cricket, uh, national cricket team work, uh, that work was, you were talking about a sport that I, I didn't even understand the rules of the game. Huh. So you had to be curious. You had to be um, uh, looking for what it was. And I, I often talked about, like, I would come into those meetings with, like, three questions ready. And then I would, as the first question was going, have nine more questions coming huh. out of it. And I think that was the, that's the thing that, uh, you know, that these these enormous brands, these powerful engines like Nike, if you have the the ability and the people to go in and just be curious, not about the task, but about the actual work. What are you trying to accomplish? What emotion, what emotional cues are you trying to hit um, for a consumer at this time in their lives and and those elements? And it was a you know, that is uh, that endless chase of curiosity is what has driven the innovation engine at Nike for decades. And I think that's something that uh, was always a separating factor for me in, in the leaders, you know, from past generations at Nike that that pushed for curiosity, that pushed you to ask questions, that that always kind of were looking for uh, not necessarily more, but more curiosity. Right. Could you could you find that that next level of depth? And that to me is, is something that applies to anyone in any you know, capacity. Um, and, and if you're doing it right in any level of, of the business, uh, whatever business that may be. So from emerging markets, you move on to Nike basketball and yeah. it's from my understanding, it's, it's when you get, when you talk about Nike basketball, yes, it's known, but when we're talking about this digital revolution that's going on at the same time, it's not that that brand that it is on Instagram right now or on Facebook or anything like that. So how did you land into that role? Can you talk about that role a little bit? Yeah. Um, so uh, my time in emerging markets kind of 
morphed from working in the advertising space. And then as we were looking to consolidate and bring a lot of our, you know, this was at the time of Instagram really kind of making its entrance in as a, as a new social platform, or at least a, a platform for brands to interact with consumers um, and other brands for that matter. Uh, and I came across from spending some time helping to onboard the digital engine in emerging markets and um, was asked to come across the basketball, uh, an area that I had been interested in since, I mean, I would, I would go as far to say birth, but like, let's, let's just say for a long time. Um, and it was, it was kind of a, a real blessing and timing. It was when we were getting ready to launch brand channels for the categories. Um, and we got to start from scratch and talk about things like, why do we want to have a channel? Who are we even talking to? Is this about product or stories or both or um, are all these things? And again, it was another kind of dose of curiosity, of asking questions, of trying to understand, you know, is this platform going to become about commerce for brands or is it going to become about storytelling or are brands just going to come off as fake, right? Are we going to eventually have to put hashtag advertising at the end of things? We know how some of those questions mm -hmm. turned out. So, um, you know, that was a, an amazing chapter. We also, again, had you know, some incredible leadership in that team. And we had these incredible teammates who were pushing, uh, or, and leaders who were pushing for creativity. We're pushing for not the answer that's staring you in the face, but the answer that's going to change the game for everyone. And that kind of environment was something that I was used to being a part of because that was the way we worked in emerging markets. And it allowed, you know, the, the team that I was working closely with in basketball to, to kind of be fearless, to kind of have you know, stretch on that border of arrogance because we felt like we had, you know, an athlete roster and stories that, you know, could really move mountains, that could really, you know, get people uh, excited. And that was such a, you know, I, I remember, uh, I remember distinctly that we launched the Nike basketball Instagram account at the Houston All-Star Game. And uh, one of my many tasks at the time was to bring Little Penny uh, in a small wooden coffin <laughs> through airport security down to the Houston All-Star Game. And as it was happening, it was all so surreal. And then, you know, we, we brought little Penny in and, and kind of let, let the athletes interact with him and do some fun stuff in that sense. And it really was us kind of, you know, having fun with it, like thinking about, hey, we have all these amazing tools in the arsenal. Let's use them and show people how much fun we're having, you know, being Nike basketball. It sounds like you guys were obviously you have this massive conglomerate that is Nike, but it just sounds like every every department that you've worked in, it just seems like it's a startup atmosphere. And like you said, it's just everyone's having fun. And that's something that I've talked to people all all in this industry. And some of the people that are most sad is they're not having fun and their department isn't having fun. And it's it's crazy how that little little thing can go so far in just making sure that the employees are not only just smiling every day, but they, when they're having fun, they're putting out probably some of their best work. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I have found myself describing it in many ways as I, I remember the brand in those days more than I remember the company. Hmm. And I think so many, so much of the rigor of what the world is up against today, um, what the workplace environment is up against today the the importance of you know the company and the accountability to shareholders and 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 the business um have in many ways because they've had to take in a front seat and and that's something that you know i i, I feel you know some of the 
uh, you know, the, the sadness, whatever you want to call it from, from that. But, you know, there, there are necessities when you are at the scale of, of a Nike. And I think there's tremendous pride that should be taken in what it took to get there. Um, and, and I think in, in many cases, all big brands, you know, there are pendulum swings. There are big shifts in the way that the culture is not only perceived, but the way the culture is built uh, or prioritized or how that is done. And those things ebb and flow as the world changes, as the business changes, as the drivers of that business change. And, and I think, you know, you, you have to spend enough time in one place to see those swings, to really understand uh, you know, the ramifications that can come with that. Um, but in, in those days, the, the fun and the excitement and the willingness to drive people towards creativity, success or failure. That was one of my favorite parts of those days was that failure at many times at Nike was seen as you tried hard enough to do something crazy that it didn't work. And now it was about learning from it and taking that into something that could be massively successful. And that freedom was something that people really believed in, that if you weren't pushing to the edge of, or the cusp of failure, then you could have maybe gone a little bit further because you had the right to do that with the name brand behind you. And, and that was something that, um, that I think inspired me just as a, as a person. Um, and that I loved watching come to life, especially as, as you know, young, talented individuals came into their own and found their way in that same process and found their enjoyment um, in kind of, you know, the, the chaos, if you will. Interesting. I love that. I really do love that. Um, what's cool about everything that you've talked about so far is not just the startup environment, um, because I built my own and I've been involved with it so for so long, but just the, the willingness to keep going for, from you and the willingness to keep kind of pushing boundaries and keep looking for those butterflies so when you when we talk about your movement from um from the launching the nike basketball side to now like working on the brand management side can we talk about like what that all entailed and what that final role really really did for you yeah i mean you know i I loved every minute of the process of being a part of the engine between product creation and sports marketing and brand marketing and merchandising that, that came together to design what a franchise could be, right? What the, and, and that was always about more than, you know, even just one shoe. It was about the game shoe and the low and building a core proposition so that the kid whose mom is shopping at Kohl's has access to this athlete brand and they can, they can get a piece of it. Um, and thinking about how that applied in the U S and in China differently. Um, those challenges were amazing team atmospheres, um, that, that we, you know, we encountered every day. And, and that was, you know, the, the greatest feeling of team that I had in my tenure at Nike were those early days in Nike basketball, because we were a family, we were dependent on each other. None of us could do the job alone. And we really leaned into that in a way that um, I'll never forget. And I think what happened for me as I transitioned from that role trying to lead a franchise to a role leading a team of people leading those franchises, it became entirely about teaching that process, teaching the trust and the accountability and the two-way street of what that meant and how to, you know, not just get what you wanted out of a conversation with an athlete, but rather get 
out of the athlete what they wanted to convey to you to not only have lived through that process uh, a couple times but then to be able to try to teach the way to do that and watch an individual grow into their own in their own space that was one of you know to me those are the greatest accomplishments in my time at nike watching the people that we were you know a part of uh, of their upbringing in the company and their learning and their um, experience and now watching them succeed and drive new franchises and take things to new heights that we never dreamed of the way that things that we were doing was something that the generation prior never dreamed of and and that to me is what you know that that is you know mentorship is so much bigger than than direct reports and things like that it's about uh it's about the enjoyment that you get from seeing others succeed um on their own accord and volition right on their own uh, on their own two feet um with the support of whatever you were able to give them or lessons that you learned the hard way that they could maybe skate through without having to learn that hard way and and that to me was was what that job was about. It was about the the teammates and the people um, that that we were able to to pass those skills along to, so that they could then learn more and pass that along to the next generation. And that's I think the the power of what was always special to me at the Nike brand that there was this generational respect, but there was also this push from one generation to the next to you can take what we've done and you can do better, mm-hmm. you can do more. Um, or in some cases, maybe do less, right? Like, but, but that was something that uh, that I I always wanted to be a part of, and until it was happening naturally, you don't really understand what it means to uh, to teach in a corporate environment. So, right now, you're you're currently going through a bit of a transition, and yeah. it's something that. A lot of people would have almost panicked uh, about, um, and maybe you did, but can you talk about what's in your future and how you really dealt with that? How have you really dealt with the anxiety that's come with this pandemic and everything that's gone on? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we talked about it a little earlier, right? Like the, the butterflies are real. That's, that's a, that's a fact. And I'm, I, I, I don't think I've been as juiced up around the unknown, um, as I have been. And as I get, um, you know, as I get ready to, to hit the ground running and, and enter, you know, this, this new wild west frontier of the cannabis industry in, in the U S, um, you know, it's, it brings a lot of my old feelings in the early days of basketball back right? There's this unknown, there's this, like, we're not building a playbook because there is no previous playbook and no one really knows how the rules are going to change. And I think that, uh, I, I feel like every day that I get further into this new endeavor and challenge, I find myself back in that place of, I have eight more questions. I have, I'm, I'm really curious about this. I'd like to actually meet somebody who does that. Cause I've never heard of that process before. And, and in many ways, when I first got into basketball i had to learn you know the parts of a shoe i didn't know what boxing was or what an outrigger was or what it was supposed to do or any of those things and now i'm finding myself trying to go back and learn the fundamentals of something entirely new and different and it's you know there's a there's a scariness in that um but there was also something that you know for me i felt in many ways that there's safety in working in a 
in a large corporate environment, especially one that you've been in for, you know, almost a decade. And I think sometimes it's a little, I've, I've never been skydiving, but I've, I've often compared this to, you know, sometimes you need to be just kicked out of the plane because you're safe and you're standing there and you feel good on the plane. But once you get out that door, if somebody can help you along the way, you might just have the time of your life. And, and, and that does not mean to say that I'm going skydiving this weekend. Uh, but, but I think that that's become a, a, a much more clear approach that like as scared as you can be standing on the plane, looking out the door, as soon as you're out there, there's really nothing to do, but go with it. Um, and, and I think that to me, in some ways, I came to terms with that a lot faster than I thought I would. Um, I came to, to terms with the opportunity and to go from, you know, spending almost 10 years thinking about the next job at Nike, the next move or category or function to suddenly thinking about just this endless, uh, you know, this, this endless and vast uh, space of anything out there um, from commercial goods to services to, you know, where, you know, and, and, and the way that you can prioritize your life around that um, was a really new and, and different experience, something that I had never you know, done. My, I was an I was an intern at Capitol Records, and then an intern at Nike, and spent the next ten years at Nike. Um, so for me, all the all the butterflies and all the excitement are are very much there. Um, and I think you know everyone everyone handles that anxiety differently. Um, and I think for me, I, I I was fortunate that you know my family and the people that were around me, there was never like a doubt. I think that this was a good thing for me. And that really imparted that feeling, uh, you know, from from my peers, from friends, from, you know, others who are who are confused or angered by it. And, and that to me was amazing motivation um, to kind of just like get over it and, and keep moving, you know. And, and I think for me, that was uh, a pretty major moment in knowing that, like, the world doesn't stop for anything, you know, and, and I think that's something that you you feel and you realize like things will go on without you in a certain space if that's indeed where where you end up. Um, and, and for me, that was something that um, I'm, I'm grateful that I had that support and that I very quickly went from, you know, there, there was never really a moment of like of true solace in this. This was about, all right, like this is what it is. Like, let's let's get after it. Like, let's go. Let's go conquer what, whatever is next. And but I could not be more excited for, for what's ahead. Um, and, and maybe more importantly, just to, to scare myself a little bit. Um, I think we've, I've, I've missed that. Uh, and, and I'm excited to, to see what happens. I love that mentality, dude. What, uh, what advice would you give to someone that is kind of jobless right now and doesn't have that mentality and is really just kind of nervous as to what what's what's going on hmm. you know i i one of my first uh mentors was famous for a lot of great one-liners but you know always talked about the only constant is change the only thing that you can truly depend on coming around the corner is going to be change and uh, i have i have kind of added to that over the years that you know individuals who live for that change, who look for it, who thrive in it, um, who learn to anticipate it, right? And even when you don't anticipate it, welcome it as a potential 
moment to get ahead of everyone else uh, that is adapting to it. Um, that to me applies as much when you are in a role as when you're not. Because if you're not and you're looking for something, then finding those, almost like finding the, the gap, right? The window, change comes, and there is most likely a place where you can thread the needle with what you bring to the table to open up an opportunity for someone. And I think in so many ways, change comes and, and you know, near, like change comes and hits people in the face. And everyone's kind of like shocked for a moment, like, whoa, like I didn't think that was gonna happen. And if you can be someone who says, well, it did happen, but look at this, like, look at this little gap right here. What if we, like, what if we go all in right there? And that now all of a sudden this dramatic negative change can become the catalyst for something incredible. And if you have the ability to, to be hungry for it, to look for it, to embrace change as a vehicle for you to do bigger, better, greater, the next thing, um, you are inequivocally a step ahead. And I think what's important as, as to the question, right, of somebody who is outside looking in, looking for a job, that is what can keep the hunger alive. Because it's not about actually finding a company with an open role or anything like that. It's about being curious about the things that interest you and looking at the way the world is changing around that particular sector and now taking what you do, what you bring to the table infusing it into something genuine, something real, and something that is tangible that you could bring to someone and say, look at this opportunity. If you bring that kind of energy to somebody who is looking at the same thing as a problem, you have now made yourself a valuable part of a puzzle that they may not even have been looking for. And that I, I think is all energy and attitude and how you approach things, not as someone not you know between jobs or out of work or, or on the hunt, you're approaching it as a human being with a skill set, with an, uh, a set of experiences, with a background that could help push something that you're passionate about. And that's in many ways what, you know, how, how I landed the way that I've landed, um, not out of design, but out of intrigue and curiosity and a desire to, to make an impact in a space that is going to, you know, uh, carry weight in, in what happens in the, in the world. Uh, or especially the country over the, the coming years. Greg, what, you can answer this from a professional standpoint or a personal standpoint, either one, but what impact, when it's all said and done, what impact do you want to leave on the world? Um, you know, I, I, especially, you know, in this time of transition, the people that, I have been lucky enough to come into contact with both from, you know, from friendship through family, extended family, through the corporate environment. I, I want to leave the people that I work with and the people that I spend time with in a position that my presence in their life enhance their ability to be, you know, comfortable and excited about who they are and bring what they have to the table. I, I, I'm so demotivated when people are trying to change who they are to fit a role or fit an ideal or fit what, you know, a potential, you know, life partner is looking for. And, and for me, I have been so lucky to have people around me that have encouraged me to be more and more comfortable with who I am and what I bring and speak my mind that that's the impact I want to have on, on everyone I come into contact with. And that's not about, you know, 
everyone getting new jobs and getting promoted. It's about helping people find comfort, find enjoyment, uh, and find the value that they can have in themselves that brings their best self to every room they're in, business or pleasure, whatever it may be. Um, that to me is something that uh, it's also something tangible that I can impact. It's the way you show up. It's the, the energy you bring. It's the way that you try to inspire people. And, and I think that's something that I've, I've loved, you know, from the jump and I've fed off the energy of people around me who have made me feel that way. Um, and I think that's something that everyone can do. You know, the, the way you show up, the way you interact, um, is, is, more often than not, the way you are remembered, the way you make people feel to, to riff off a little bit of Maya Angelou, but the, um, you know, if you want to be someone who inspires those around you, be someone who inspires those around you. Thank you for supporting the Strange on Purpose podcast. I want to encourage you to leave a review if you love this episode or any of the episodes previous. Uh, it really helps the podcast grow and my subscriber count grow. So smash that subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave a comment and follow us at Strange on Purpose on Instagram for any new updates concerning our guests, any upcoming events or anything like that. Thank you again.